This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Okay, have you tried an e-scooter? Big cities everywhere have them, and I sort of love them. But is this new tech trendy, transformational, or terrible? Get ready to be transported. (laughs) It's another device and virtue. Well, welcome back to Device and Virtue, where we <laughs> argue about the wrongs and rights of tech and faith in everyday life. We're coming to you from Chicago. I'm Adam. And I'm Chris. Adam, you said, hey, like I say, hey, but sort of not <laughs> like you're trying to say. I'm my own person. <laughs> I can say hey however I want to say hey. Oh, man. Talking about micro mobility in e-scooters today. Although I, I heard you had a problem with micro mobility this week. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sad. What happened? My bike has gone missing. It was locked up. It got stolen or you were just not the most remembered in the planet? I've been trying to think, (laughs) did I leave it somewhere? Is this a prank? I've been trying to wake up from this nightmare that is my lost bike. We haven't talked about it. I just saw your tweet about it. I bought this bike maybe four or five years ago and I love it. It's just a nice mountain bike. And I have never been Did on. Did you a just go with downstairs it. and it wasn't there? Where do you keep it in the basement or something? No, it's kept outside. Uh, Don't right. get me started with my landlord. Right. But it was locked up at kind of behind some bushes. I mean, it's well hidden. It's in the backyard. I don't know how someone found it and oh, stole dude. it. That is really like, heartbreaking. Cause you I know, know. I'm a big bike guy, too. And not having my bike just makes me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and we're, we're recording outside today. It's beautiful. It's today so would be a great day to be out on a bicycle. And I'm just, yeah, so I, I'm bummed. But, yes, we're talking about micro mobility today. And Chris, what is micro mobility? <laughs> well, in Chicago this week, it's been e-scooters uh, <laughs> because 9,999 e-scooters got put on the city of Chicago streets on Wednesday. Did somebody count? I mean, <laughs> well, it's really funny because I think they had decided it was going to be 10,000 and they had four companies that were going to do it. And one of the companies dropped out. So they had to divide. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> so they had to divide it. They had to divide three. it three ways. Equity all the way down. No one wanted a one third of a scooter. So <laughs> one guy was allowed to do three, 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 three. Um, no, this is what happened. So <laughs> e-scooters, you and I have talked about these, I think a year ago, we did a vice or virtue just on e-scooters. Oh, we did. Because I had tried this in D.C., right? Because a lot of the other major cities in the U.S. That's have right. e-scooters already. Yeah. And I had I had ridden them in Atlanta. I had used a a bike share or something. Yeah. So there's e-scooters all over the country in L.A., New York, Atlanta, D.C. Chicago is the last major city in the United States to get them. We got them last summer for a few months. They did a test run of them. Okay. They let them out on the streets for three months, and then they all disappeared. And now for the first time. They were all raptured. They were all raptured. (laughs) For the first time, e-scooters, which are these little 15-pound kick scooters. electric, right? 
kick scooters with like you stand on it it has handles of course and i think lots of folks have seen this but only if you live in a city but yeah they're electric they're electric powered so you got to push off with your foot but past that you just press a little accelerator and boom you're off and you there. can go up to 15 miles per hour on this little guy and it's super fun 15 that's faster than most people run right most people run yeah oh, sure well it's uh, faster yeah. than most people even on bike like like most oh, bikers, yeah. most people are biking most at like, bike, like 10 to 12. 10 to 12 miles per hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 15 is pretty fast. Though. Yeah, so it's you don't feel crazy fast when you're on it. At least it didn't feel too yeah. fast to me. And some people wish they like they wanted just, to go faster. They're artificially limited. They could go up to 20 or 25 miles per mm. hour. But people are worried about safety. So this has been a big deal. So this uh, this week I was helping cover this for a little journalism team with this group called City Bureau in, in Chicago. And I was just going around and trying it myself, seeing where the scooters were distributed, s- talking to people who were trying them out for the first time and asking them what their experience is, what they thought about. And I am fascinated by this technology in urban areas, this idea that we can have all these tiny little individual transportation devices. <laughs> and what is the device, as those of us with a podcast named that, say <laughs> about how a city works, yeah. how people work, what are the wrongs and rights of this stuff? Yeah, I yeah, yeah. am fascinated. Yeah, I've been thinking about the city as we've explored and thought about these e-scooters. I've thought about the city kind of like you have circulation in your body, right? And so <laughs> p- people are like the blood and they're they're flowing down all these blood vessels and we have all these new forms of transportation system. and we're we're moving people through the veins of the city, through the arteries of the city and all of a sudden we're creating this new way of uh moving people through Chicago with these e-scooters. I sort of like that because when Divi bikes came out and people are more familiar with those, the bike shares, they're similar, right? But (laughs) there's a number of differences. We can talk about it. But Divi put out a website where you could see an animation of all the little bikes moving from point to point. They didn't know exactly what street you're on, but they knew that if you started at one dock and then you end at another dock, they would draw a little arching line from one spot to another. So you'd see thousands of lines every day moving across the city. And it felt like like yeah blood flowing through the streets you almost felt like real time you're seeing people moving and that's one of the stories of these e-scooters all the companies put out a live data feed through what you call an api Oh, interesting so that you can start seeing where people are taking these and it's almost like a way of looking at a city that we've never been able to see before like a mic macroscope microscope something (laughs) kind of scope on on what flows through the horoscope so chicago got a massive blood transfusion this week is basically (laughs) what we're saying Exactly. And there's companies that do this. Lime is one of the big ones here. Uh, Bird is another one of the big ones here. And then the third big one in Chicago is is called Spin. And other cities have other brands. A lot of them are owned by bigger groups. Some of them are owned by the same company or invested in by the same company that does Uber. Some of them are invested by the same company that does Lyft. But then there are independent companies as well. And so this has been a big thing in urban areas. Yeah. So kind of the the wave of transportation technology kind of started with uber and then lyft and it's continued with bike share divi in chicago now we've kind of transitioned already to e-scooters and you're seeing this whole wave of technology taking over the transportation system 
And now it's down to kind of the individual level with e-scooters. So I got a couple of facts for you that just really show how big a deal these are now and how big a deal these might become mm-hmm. in our in the life, just daily life technology. For one thing, 46% of car traffic in the U.S. is caused by cars on trips going less than three miles. And so the idea is that in congested cities both for congestion, traffic, and environment, these micro-mobility solutions, e-scooters, can do this. They're called last-mile technology, right. right? You're doing it just in your neighborhood or on a short trip, or you're doing what's called multimodal. You're using it with the train. Yeah. So you might to take the train for the long part of the trip, and then you use a scooter for the last part of the trip. So, so maybe commuting, maybe going shopping in another neighborhood or something, you'll pick up a scooter, take it to the L the train line, the subway, and then you get off the subway at the other end and you pick up another scooter or a, or right. a bike and you right. take it to Whole Foods or So wherever. that's the promise of these, that almost 50% of traffic in cities could eventually be replaced by a bike or an e-scooter doing this last mile stuff, 50%. That'd be huge, right? That would take a lot of pressure off roads. Here's how people like it. Back when Ubers and Lyfts were coming out, Rideshare, and now people are really familiar with those, they had gotten, Lyft got to 1 million rides in 61 weeks. Okay, this is a stat. So okay, after so just 60, over a year. After Yeah, after a year, they got to 1 million rides of people just trying this out and using it. In about the same amount of time, 58 weeks, e-scooters have gotten to 6 million rides. Okay, so six times six the, times in the, about the same amount of time. Yeah, in about a year's time, and I think this is nationwide in the U.S., there's six times of the uptake about people trying this out and using it versus even rideshare, which wow. some people are saying this is positioned to become the thing that transforms our cities. Wow. <laughs> Do you think that's true? <laughs> so I think people really have mixed feelings. Some people are really excited about them. I saw these two 20-year-olds that had jumped on them. I actually stopped them and asked them, hey, do you like them? And they're like, they're <laughs> awesome. And they were riding around the block on them. This girl and her boyfriend were just riding around. I said, where are you taking them to? She goes, oh, I don't know. We just, we're just trying them. <laughs> so it's a toy. <laughs> toy tool environment. <laughs> and they've seen a lot of scooter trips start and end at the same place, yeah. which they assume are joy rides okay. from, the, from the data, which makes sense. A lot of people are doing this. Although I was talking to another woman at a coffee shop just three from my house, outdoor seating because it's COVID. And I was like, hey, I'm going to go try an e-scooter now. Do you know they're in our neighborhood for the first time? And she's like, I've seen those. I'm so scared of them. I'm like, why? She goes, I would just, I would fall off. I would feel like I would lose my balance. They just feel like they'd be really difficult to balance on. And this was not an older woman at all. I was like, I don't know. Do you like a bike? And she's like, yeah, I'm good at a bike. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm just scared of them. She's like, if you're going to go get one, come by the coffee shop. So I did. I walked two blocks away. Grab the e-scooter. What you do is you hold your phone out over the scooter. It can detect both Bluetooth and you open up a little scan, a QR code on the scooter. Scan the scooter. The scooter lights up. Your app lights up and says it's a dollar to unlock it. And it's right now it's 34 cents a minute in Chicago, which is actually really high. Last year when they tried it out, it was 15 cents a minute. So big difference in price. But it unlocks. The whole scooter makes a little noise. It goes doo-doo-doo, lights up. And then you can tell it's on. You unlock it, jump on it, and I scooted over to Jack Loeb Coffee, which is right down the street. Okay. And I scooted right up to next to these people that I was talking you to. You scooted. I, That's the thing. <laughs> Isn't it scootering? You, you scootered? Uh, scootering. No, I did. Clearly not. I mean, if you <laughs> scooted, was she like... That's a little too close. <laughs> Step away. Step, scoot I, away, I, I buddy. I feel like you're good at verbs. But <laughs> I, I showed it to her. I brought it up. I'm like, do you want to try it? She's like, ah, okay. And she got on it and she was like, ah. 
ah! I was like, just use the trigger really slowly. And she pressed the trigger down a little bit, and it shot forward. You're yeah. just like, whoa, whoa. And she got a yeah, little nervous, gotta... but I don't think she had to be. I bet if she used it a little bit more, she'd be really, really comfortable on it. But it's interesting to see how there is some barrier to use for some people, yeah. even though I just want to play on it. Yeah. Uh, and then a lot of people in the city have been worried about um, and we can talk about the potential negatives, but do they block sidewalks? Are they being locked up in weird places? Are they going to... Are they putting pi- pedestrians at risk? Yeah, that kind Are of they stuff. at risk of the cars? So lots, lots of, of mixed feelings yeah. is the point. So the first thing I want to think about with scooters is the fact that they're a technology that's a collection of other technologies. They're like brand new and not brand new. Yeah, the the scooter itself is the thing that everyone's focused on, but there's a whole infrastructure that's underlying these scooters that's making them possible in cities around the country and around the world, right? Like what? Well, like uh, GPS, so you know where to go find it. Right. And it knows right. where you are the right. whole time. And GPS is composed of satellites, satellites. space technology to get the satellites there. Right, Right. cellular technology. But also, what about virtual payment systems? So whether it's Apple Pay or Google Pay or Venmo, all these different forms of payment that are And those are are built on the credit card systems from before that, digital, just digital payments in general, and then the adaptation of micropayments. Yeah, mobile connectivity, but then also... You mentioned batteries, right? Battery technology is huge in this. That we could not have done these kind of things if we didn't have high capacity batteries now that can be charged up and have enough power for this kind of stuff. And that's been an acceleration of battery technology for the last 20 years. Yeah, because if people are uh, sharing these, if they're taking them one place and then somebody else is picking them up, they're probably being in use more than they're just sitting around getting charged during the day. During the day, yeah. And then, of course, they have this whole gig economy with juicers. Have you heard about that? Juicers? Yeah, people that- Are you serious? They're called juicers? Yeah, that's right. Wait, that's a role or that's a like a device? What is, well, what's a juicer? It's the people that they pay, not all the companies do this, but uh, Lime is, that they pay that you can go pick up scooters yourself. That Wait, are so I can be a Lime juicer? <laughs> I hadn't thought about it. <laughs> oh, um, awesome. But you can go pick up scooters that are low on battery power using an app. You can find the ones that are like have 10% battery life. Oh, interesting. You take them to your garage, you plug them in, they charge up oh, overnight, and then you put them back on the street. So and th- they this give could you be money. anybody. They give you money for this. It's a new oh. aluminum can collecting, except you get paid more money. Oh, yeah. I loved the aluminum can thing. I was totally into that one as a kid. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, keep going. But can, also, juicer sounds like, honestly, it sounds like a dystopian Star Wars term. It sounds like, <laughs> like someone it sounds like who's Harrison on Ford. steroids. It sounds like Harrison Ford is in the Millennium Falcon, and he's like, watch out. There's a juicer. We're going to outrun him. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I just, I mean, it's coronavirus, and there are lime juicers outside. <laughs> so that's that's what I find. Hey, at least we won't get scurvy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Okay, but we're talking about all these layers of technology. And oh, is that what we're talking about? That's right. <laughs> it's actually huge. Yes, because layers of infrastructure. Okay, you're doing all these digital technology, but let's go super, super backwards. The wheel is a technology that's here. And sure. And not to be obvious, but it's huge. Then the inline wheel, because... 
the wheel was one thing, say um, a wagon, but then we got to, we learned that we could put two wheels together and put a, a chain on them. That's sort of a bike that accelerates the human leg more than just the regular wheel. And so, and then that winds up turning from to bike to eventually to cars. Marshall McLuhan also points out there's a massive link between bicycles and airplanes. The Wright brothers and yeah. all their early stuff have pictures of wheels on the bottom of the airplane because they're thinking yeah. about a flying car, essentially. Well, and the Wright brothers originally were bike guys, I think. Exactly. It's, it's exactly. They were bike mechanics. Yeah. So, okay, so all these different technologies in this stack. I think the big observation here is when we have a technology like an e-scooter that has... Uh, is really not completely new itself. It's not like a crazy scientist went into a lab, came up with that poof, ex nihilo, out of nothing. <laughs> Instead, there's been a stack of incredible technologies over time that has added up to this moment. And it's almost like an elevator going up, or, or better, like the whole floor, like the entire floor of a building stacks up one level and then stacks up another level. And we almost don't notice that the entire floor is moving up, but you can't get to e-scooters without GPS, smartphones, micropayments, credit cards, wheels, roads. <laughs> you can't get right, there from right, here. Right. And now we're at this moment. And so even pastors or anyone analyzing technology can't just go, look at e-scooters, they're this. You've got to think about the whole system that they've been built on. Yeah, and that's helpful for me just to think about why are e-scooters all of a sudden this big deal that people are investing billions of dollars in their development. And it's not actually because of the e-scooter itself by itself. It's because of the entire infrastructure that is supporting it and enabling the ride sharing that it's creating and the movement that it's creating within cities and even within some suburban areas too. So the big question is, Adam, do you like these and are these the anti-Zoom? Let's talk about it. This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Nine Lives and Counting, a bounty hunter's journey to faith, hope, and redemption, written by Dwayne Dog the Bounty Hunter Chapman. Nine Lives and Counting not only offers a fresh perspective on well-known life events, but also ventures into behind-the-scenes territory and backstories never shared publicly. Nine Lives and Counting is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Visit thomasnelson.com audio to learn more. Wait, Chris, what do you mean when you say... Are e-scooters the anti-Zoom? I, I don't even understand. <laughs> I just the think question. about you as a total curmudgeon and in <laughs> screen time and how much you're like, well, let's be honest, that TikTok episode really changed your screen time level. <laughs> but past uh, that, we've been talking about how much time we're spending on screens, right? And we've been thinking about how do screens affect humans? And even during COVID, we're doing all our meetings on screens. In fact, we don't have to move our bodies anywhere right now. Our bodies have become this sort of forget our bodies. Let's just use our mind and project our visage and our, you know, <laughs> you're doing your job fully remote. I'm doing work yeah. fully remote. So our bodies almost don't matter. And we've talked about a lot of those technologies recently. And I, it just occurred to me that the scooters thing is actually all about bodies. Yeah, It's all about moving my body from one place to another. But the, like, I would thought you would like love this because maybe it is an option to get us off our screens. 
I guess it feels like a get out and move kind of situation. It maybe even if, you know, instead of doing a Skype meeting, Skype, what is it, 1995? <laughs> instead of doing a Zoom meeting or a FaceTime meeting with someone across the neighborhood at least, or maybe even a little bit away, I could jump on a scooter and be there in five minutes and see them embodied face to face. So yeah, you started by talking about this being the anti-Zoom. And I think maybe part of what you mean by that is this idea of not just embodiment, but also presence. And that question of mm -hmm. how important is presence? If the person is just across the neighborhood and I can be present with them, I can be embodied with them, that's awesome. But if they're, you know, the cost benefit of presence changes when they're farther away. It's more cost for me to be present with them. Yeah. Whereas Zoom affords a form of presence. It's not complete presence. It's not embodied presence, but it's right, a kind right, of right. presence that affords a, a low cost presence, right? And a scooter makes presence a little cheaper to make possible. I, I guess that's sort of how I'm thinking about scooters being an anti-Zoom. Yeah, I mean, you're right. We remote work now with people all across the country, so obviously a scooter's not going to change that. Yeah. But that's some of the point. Some of the point is even scale and how we live our lives out and scale. Okay. And, and so... What do you mean by that? I wanted to ask you this question because... Do you remember this ebook you wrote a long time ago called Cars Created the Megachurch? <laughs> yes. And I wanted to say, if cars created the megachurch, what do e-scooters create? And this is what <laughs> I've been thinking about this week. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, first, like, you can explain what you mean by the cars create the megachurch. Yeah, so the basic argument I made there was that when cars became part of the circulation system of human transportation, that, especially in the U.S., as we integrated them into our lives, they afforded us the, the opportunity to expand how far we went in a morning to get to church. So yeah. instead of the church needing to be in my neighborhood, I had now 10 miles and then 20 miles and then 30 miles, both because of the car and because of the interstate system and quality of roads. And mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. all made it possible for my options of churches to increase exponentially. And suddenly I have a bunch of choices. And the only way I can make that decision is based on my own choice and yeah. based on my own preferences and my own affinities. And suddenly what was most popular and where people were all gathered together became more a desire that sense of presence, that sense of community. People wanted to be together. And so churches became magnets for large groups of people and ultimately mega churches kind of emerged. And now you can make a choice about a church that fits your musical style yeah. or your theological preference <laughs> yeah, right. more than more than you could when you just had to walk somewhere right. in your neighborhood. And so like I love that argument and you're tying it to this whole thing of how roads created the suburbs essentially. Like people didn't have to live within walking distance or even biking distance yeah. of their workplace. They could live thirty miles away and then drive to their workplace, which changed yeah. the way communities looked and then garages and all this stuff. I I think you're right on that. I wanna say that e scooters have the opposite effect. So that e-scooters, okay. as a micro-mobility, not a macro-mobility, there was this great quote, actually, I read it. There was this one report about micro-mobility, and they quoted this economist, Schumacher. Why are they all German? <laughs> um, He's reliable already. Schumacher. And he said, today we suffer from an almost universal idolatry of giganticism. It okay. is therefore necessary to insist on the virtue of smallness. 
And I that's lo- interesting. Virtue, virtue, virtue. And I think there's a virtue here. I think scooters, because they are designed to go that last mile, because they go one mile, two miles, three miles. My neighborhood here in Bridgeport, Chicago, is probably a mile wide. Okay. And you could a walk mile wide and an inch deep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, the old churches are still in this neighborhood. You could sort of walk to them. Uh, a lot of people don't. A lot of people do drive across the city to go to a different <laughs> church because of the car. But a scooter is a smaller scaled type of object. It's human scaled. It's neighborhood scaled. It's designed to only go to a mile. And suddenly, okay. I think it reverses maybe a little bit of that effect of the car getting you to Willow Creek or wherever you want. Mm-hmm, and instead, mm-hmm. you do think about the neighborhood. You do just go to the local store. You do meet your neighbor because it's smaller. Okay, so... Where we went from walking and horse and buggy to a bicycle avoiding us a little bit more. We kind of, all of a sudden, we swung way far on the pendulum with the car, giving us sudden massive transit ability. That's not a word. (laughs) But you're suggesting that it could swing back uh, the pendulum a bit the other way if all of a sudden a lot of people adopt e-scooters at the level that we've adopted cars yeah the micro mobility options these bikes these e-scooters they are designed for smaller living together and right now they're in big cities but ironically the big cities are family you know chicago always says it's a family of neighborhoods and ironically i think it recreates the village it recreates a form of transportation that allows us sort of be together and not drive 40 miles for everything <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it's... Disagree with me, Adam. Uh, I'm using your argument. No, I don't know that I disagree, honestly. (laughs) I just think, again, like I said, I do have questions about whether scooters and micromobility in general will get adopted as broadly as would be necessary for these kind of societal changes to really take root. Yeah, you said like economic reasons? Yeah, well, I think the cost of owning a car is really high. Mm -hmm. And so the value of ride shares or car sharing actually makes a lot of sense. But the cost of owning a bike or the cost of owning a scooter is a lot lower. And so the value by comparison isn't as high. Oh, I see. And so, if that's the case, the uh, the so you're saying a car costs twenty thousand bucks, then I can take an Uber ride for twenty bucks. It's a huge value savings, right? If a scooter costs, and they cost a thousand bucks, I've looked at yeah, e-scooters. Yeah, e-scooters. You're saying why do the share sort of? Yeah, if I'm going to spend a hundred dollars when it's a thousand dollars to own one. The, the value difference isn't as high. After a while, it's better for me to just own the thing. Okay, I think that economic argument is interesting, and you can have micromobility without the economic model of sharing it. Uh, Everyone could own a bike or own a scooter. This could be the entree to people buying their own scooters because they see the value of them in their community. But I'm going to say there is an additional layer. Most people do talk about micromobility with also the economic layer of doing the share method in a city, and you pay as you go sure. as opposed to owning it. And I think a lot of millennials are liking this better than owning their own thing. I get that. I think there's an additional advantage of in a neighborhood or a network, you not having to not just economically own it, but also physically own it in the sense that I drop it off. And because of GPS, because of smartphones, it's instantly available for somebody else. And then I have another one available to me when I need it and when I want it. And I don't have to park it, carry it. I, yeah. I effortlessly switch between walking, my natural human mode, 
in this technology-assisted movement, that's the whole thing about cars. Parking is that switch right, for us, right, and right. that's very costly and very difficult in cities. Right. And these are easier to do that. And so one of the advantages of these systems is making that transition easier. So that's my additional argument on, on the economic thing and why they might get adopted. But is that the value to the person or is that the value to society as a whole? Because the person is going to have to okay, experience yeah. the value personally for, for people broadly to adopt it within society. Sure. Chris, I'll be honest, when you pitched this idea of micromobility and us doing an episode on it, I was a little skeptical because I was like, is there a theological angle on micromobility? And there always is. I'm always surprised where it is. But one of the big issues that a lot of people have, have rightly brought up is a question of access. And will the people who could benefit most from micromobility from scooters, from bikes, have the access in their neighborhoods to have them? And to be more explicit, will people in poorer neighborhoods have access and be able to, quote unquote, log on? Will they have the virtual payment systems? Will they have the smartphones? Will they have all of the infrastructure they need to access this? And will it be in their neighborhood? Right. Yeah, if there's a biblical concern for how we're treating everybody um, fairly, both you know in the Old Testament and the poor, and then in James in the New Testament, our scooter is actually just a rich person, sort of hipstery, <laughs> right? <laughs> People that have money, sort of way to get around, and do the poor get poorer and the rich get richer on this, and it actually becomes a right. something that's not how we want to live in God's kingdom. So the city of Chicago got the most aggressive of any city in the U.S. on this. And when they restarted this this week, they required all the scooter companies, they defined 10 equity zones, they called them, which were honestly the poorer neighborhoods in the city. And mostly on the south and west sides of the city. And they were defined by a geographic boundary. And they said these zones have different rules. And one of the rules is um, they told the companies, you have to continually make sure scooters are here, regardless of whether you're making as much money in that zone. Oh, wow. So you have to distribute them evenly across the city you cannot just distribute them in their in their rich neighborhoods huh. which was pretty interesting i was actually like this fairly justice oriented yeah that's and then cool. they said the prices are cheaper there there's two way the prices can change one is if you start a scooter in those zones it's actually 50 percent off okay um, but it the, the incomes in these neighborhoods can be a lot lower right. so i mean it's a city we have people with incomes that have two hundred fifty thousand dollar annual salaries we have people with incomes with thirty thousand dollar annual salaries right, so right. really really different right and then the other thing is they said if you're really like on state aid or that kind of stuff you could actually apply and get a an everyone program so you can use a scooter to get back and forth to work for free okay um, but you have to go through some hoops for that and and what about the payment how, how are they managing the payment? Yeah, aspect? this is a big deal, right? Like it's digital payments. You need a smartphone. And I have an iPhone 11 Pro with LTE, <laughs> but these are not cheap. Uh, and you do that. You unlock the scooter and you walk up and doing it. Your phone probably just couldn't do it because it's so dumb and old. Um, <laughs> My <laughs> iPhone 8. It's so it's Oh, so it's not decrepit. an iPhone 4 anymore. I forgot. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So they say every company says they have a way for people to do this if they need to use cash or they don't have a credit card access. Yeah. The problem is there's a lot of complaints that maybe it doesn't work very well or it's difficult to do. Yeah. Essentially, there's a 1-800 number you can call and talk to them or you can text back and forth. Most phones do have texting even if they don't have data and with the yeah. thing and it unlocks it. You text the number. So they have some workarounds 
to make it possible. And props to the city of Chicago for thinking about the poor and thinking about ways that these can continue to serve them. And it's great, you know, props to them for giving it a trial run a year ago and then thinking about it, looking at it and saying, how can we make the adoption of this technology more equitable across our entire city and for all the constituents of our city rather than just the people that have the most money. I will say two funny things happened about equity when this was rolling out this week. One is, or two things I want to, points I want to make about the equity thing. There is a lot of concern that this will not really work, that poorer folks just won't use this. One is a lot of folks on the north side of the city, which in Chicago is known as essentially the rich area of the city, complained right when they came out they opened up their phone opened up the bird app looked at the (laughs) map and saw all the dots on the map that represent where the scooters are and they saw all these scooters near them on the north side and they saw no dots on the south side and they said these companies they're not following the rules they're not actually (laughs) distributing them to the poorer neighborhoods which is sort of cool because you're like, oh, they're concerned about that. There are people, yeah, and so there's great. a lot of really angry tweets. Look, <laughs> these companies are not being equitable or caring for the poor. These folks on the north side didn't know is that the app actually just showed you scooters within five miles of you. <laughs> and so outside that five-mile range, you didn't see anything. In reality, there were scooters all in these equity zones in the north and, oh, and the south and west sides. In fact, Lime put all their scooters first that day. They released a press release. They actually did all those zones first and they got to the north side later. But people were really complaining. Oddly, I just thought it was delicious and ironic. It was, <laughs> And I don't mean to be bad. I love someone with some privilege trying to use that on behalf of others that might not have that. Right. But because they weren't in the neighborhood or with those people, they actually didn't know the reality on the ground. And that sort of reminded me sometimes how Christians can drop in on short-term mission trips or Mm. other ways and not really know what's going on with those people (laughs) or what the reality is. Christians that are embedded with people and trying to serve the poor are best do that from their location (laughs) so they understand what's happening. And this was a a digital illustration (laughs) of that problem, (laughs) if that makes any sense. And you had another... Well, the other uh, point I was going to make is that I think this could work over time. In South America and Central America, the largest scooter company that's rolling things out, because this is actually global, almost everyone's paying for cash. And the way they do it, they're just used to these bankless societies. They walk into a convenience store, hand cash to a clerk, and they get credits on their phone right. in some ways. Right. And this is a lot of the world does this, very digital it's digital and cash hybrid. So it's not as much yeah, a credit yeah, yeah. card or banking, but they they can trade cash and they immediately get credits for a ride on their scooters. And I can see that picking up in the U.S. We're just not used to it. Yeah. Well, since you're making small points that are slight uh, soapboxes, I'll make one more that I've had as I was thinking about this. And again, assuming there's this widespread adoption or even if it just stays in cities, the thing that's really paved the way for micromobility is bike lanes. And bike lanes have have made it possible for e-scooters to find a place on city streets. And in a lot of places, they're saying scooters have to be in bike lanes. They can't be on sidewalk. Right. And that's what they're saying here. If that does get broadly adopted, one thing I'm aware of is that these people who have use of the scooters will much more easily bypass people in need on the street. So you walk around Chicago you're consistently accosted by people who need money, who need food, who are asking for handouts. And for people on scooters, they've now 
enabled themselves to not only be buffered by being in the bike lane, but also to no longer have to walk past that person or make eye contact with that person. They can bypass them in a really simple, fast way on these scooters. And it's the same with bikes, but you don't have that ability when you're walking down the street. That's true, although, and I think your concern is actually huge in terms of how we move past each other. I want to disagree because I want to compare it to cars again. And I want to say that bikes and scooters, you're in the open air. Yesterday, honestly, there was a guy riding a bike down the street in the bike lane, and I was on a scooter. And he seemed homeless, or at least was dressed poorly, and he was obviously intoxicated. And he fell over on the bike hard. Wow. I just watched him fall. And he, to the point where a car on the road stopped and they rolled down the window and said, are you okay? Because he just laid on the ground for a minute. Huh. And I was on a scooter, and I was... I was actually amazed that car stopped. I think most cars wouldn't notice yeah. and other cars behind them honked to get the car to move because <laughs> right, right. they couldn't see what was happening. Right. But on a scooter, it was very easy for me to stop and I uh, picked up the guy's helmet and handed it to him and asked him if he was okay. And he's like, oh, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And there, and so he got out of the way. I made sure he got out of the way and then I took yeah. off. But I yeah. was able to do that instantly stepping off the scooter and stepping on it. Yeah. So my illustration is we could run past people but in some ways it maybe does let us more access than the big steel cages. I, I completely agree. Compared to cars, yes. I was comparing it to sidewalks and people walking. Yeah, so yeah. it's all a question of what you're going to compare it to. And I do think you have more care and concern for people like that than maybe the average person on a scooter. And that's my concern. I know I shouldn't ask this because we're almost out of time, but, but do you think we're all just walking in heaven? Or do you think we have micromobility <laughs> or technologies that get us around? Yeah. What part of micromobility will we find on the other side of the new creation? That's what I'm saying. I think that is a great question. I guess I would say there will probably be scooters, but there probably won't be cars. <laughs> oh, drawing a line. There, uh, yeah. No, I, I like it. I like Maybe it. there will be scooters that, that allow multiple people to ride together, and we'll all ride in one accord. In one floating e-boat. <laughs> we'll all scoot together. I think it's a really tough decision, but I, I think there is definitely room in the new creation for technologies that extend the goodness of human ingenuity and the mm -hmm. goodness of human activity. And so our motion or transportation, I, I don't know what that feels like or looks like, but I do think the e-scooter, I'm, by the way, going to put that in a probably in heaven situation. <laughs> yeah, the city that comes down out of heaven from God, there will already be scooters in all zones because all the zones will be equitable. They will be. And all the SUVs will be looking up from purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, we've got all that out of the way. It's time for the real important stuff of this podcast. It's time for vice or virtue. And the vice or virtue of the day is... Pavement. <laughs> pavement. Wait, asphalt or pavement? I actually don't know the difference. Con uh, concrete or con asphalt? <laughs> I know there's people that know that stuff. I know ones... Uh, anyway... <laughs> You mean the hard stuff that's on the surface of the ground that we put down there? The stuff that both the SUVs and the scooters ride on. Ride on. Well, it's certainly necessary. In Chicago, you know, when they tear up the street, 
underneath it, there'll be cobblestone still. They still have the bricks on a lot of the streets. I heard about an alley in Chicago that's wooden. It's a wooden alley. It's because all the streets used to be wood. Oh, yeah, they all, they, they all used to be wooden. Yeah, yeah. And there's one wooden alley still. I then we go had the Chicago Fire, and that wasn't allowed yeah, anymore. Yeah, that was a... <laughs> so, okay. So, well, wooden streets, we think, are a vice probably just because, you know... Burning. No, I think they're quaint and amazing. <laughs> and they're burning. <laughs> Actual pavement. Well, here's the thing. I had a BMX bike when I was a kid. It was cr- <laughs> a solid chrome, and it had a like one of those black foam sort of yeah, wraparound yeah, yeah. things. Uh-huh. I loved riding that thing. And there was a big hill near my house in an eighth or ninth grade went as fast as I could towards that hill going down it was paved. going down it yeah it was a paved hill right I was with a couple of my friends and my sister and we read down as fast as we can oh, pedal man. furiously and then you're going downhill and the goal is to get the speeds above that 12 miles per hour yeah 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 flying down this and then I don't remember a thing because I hit a rock or a, a pothole. The whole bike goes flying 10 feet into the air. No full way. loops my body. I come crashing down and I black out for like wow. 10 seconds. Were uh, you wearing a helmet? I do not. Probably no, not. No, no, no. Wake up, come to. I am beaten up with my body. <clears throat> my bike's laying on the ground, sort of mango beside me. Everyone's leaning over me to see if I'm okay. Turns out besides the mental anguish that you've discovered, I'm fine. <laughs> and it was super fun. So I consider it a virtue. You consider it a virtue. <laughs> well, it I not think have been possible without the pavement. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I have to say I much prefer a grass path to a paved sidewalk. It's better on the knees. You can take your shoes off and run your toes through the grass. And so it's wistful. just nostalgic and summery. And the asphalt is just cold and black and unforgiving. If you had if you had landed in a soft grass patch, imagine how your body would have not been damaged. You wouldn't have blacked out. So it's clearly it's clearly a vice. Well, we're changing our theme song to like I don't know a wistful somber <laughs> thing now. Well, thanks for talking with me about e-scooters. I guess I'll be using them and you won't be, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe, maybe we need to ride over to the lake on them, see what we think about them. <laughs> we should do that right now. We should do that right now. <laughs> This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.